Hi, welcome to The Gathering Podcast. The Gathering is the young adult service that meets at Cottonwood Creek Church in Allen, Texas on Monday nights. You can connect with us by texting GATHERING to 77978. That's GATHERING to 77978. We hope you enjoy today's message. Y'all can be seated. Yeah, seems like you guys figured that one out. This is a, a lot of a big process wheeling this thing over here. Um, well, welcome everyone. My name is Leon. I am not Sloan, uh, no matter how hard I try. But uh, he is snowboarding and decided that was more fun than hanging out with y'all tonight. And then I very excitedly decided to step up and go, I would love to hang out with you guys. So uh, I'm our college pastor here. So I hang out with anyone who thinks they're in college or decides they want to be college aged. Um, and that's a variety of us. Or some people who are in college that don't want to hang out, then obviously they want to be young adults. So some of y'all might be in that range too. But uh, I've been here for five years. Uh, I used to teach quite a bit uh, in our college young adult ministry until Sloan was like, hey, let me take the young adults. And I was like, please, young adults, we need a lot of help. I'm a young adult. So that's what Sloan, that's what Sloan's doing. Um, but tonight, Sloan has given me the task of continuing the foundation series. If you weren't here last week, he set us off on saying, well, he was in First John, and he said, essentially, the source of all love comes from God, and that God has commissioned us to, uh, to accept his love, to be a part of his love, and then go show the world what true love is, which is like a massive task. And I think if, like, if we philosophically actually thought through that, we'd be like, okay, that seems, that seems like a lot, right? That seems like we have to be fully filled up with who God is because he's the source of love and then be so filled that we go give everyone else love and show them the source where we found it. And so over the next couple of weeks, I think, and I hope, what Sloan's going to do is he's going to unpack very practically what that looks like. And so tonight we're going to look at how do we even love God? If he's the source of love, if he is this creator of everything, the one who knit together our souls, the one who knows us intimately, yet we feel distant from him because of sin, how do we reconnect, rewire into that? And how do we love God? How do we, how do we just step into this, this pool or resource that God is, that is love? And so I did quite a bit of research on this. Uh, as a minister, that's embarrassing because I feel like immediately I should be like, oh, here's the 57 verses that tell us how to love God. And there is, there's literally, there's way more than 57. I would say the whole Bible explains to us how much God loves us. The narrative of the story of Jesus coming to earth, God himself to die for us. I would say that's pretty convincing. Like if I came up here tonight to die for all of you, I would really hope, even though we don't know each other, that you think I loved you. Um, but sometimes that's, again, it's ethereal. It seems kind of, and maybe this is just my confession from my heart. Maybe you guys feel differently, but sometimes that feels uh, separated from where we're at. So, uh, Anyways, we're going to read through some of the scriptures. I'm going to do things a little differently than Sloan did. We're going to read through a couple scriptures. They're not going to be on there because they're, I want us to like think through them, uh, about how the scriptures say we should love God. We're going to look at our main passage tonight, which uh, is the Good Samaritan. It's in Luke chapter 10. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to there. That's where we will actually end and stay uh, for the most part. And then what we're going to do is we're going to have a group discussion, not like just at your tables, uh, I sat at a table last week and I liked it, but I feel like if there was some momentum, like if the whole room could participate a little bit. So that means at one point I will be asking you guys to answer. And it's not like a pastoral thing where it's like a rhetorical question. I like legitimately, even though I'm standing on a stage, would love to hear y'all's response. And then we're going to go to a table discussion. All right. So for you type A people, that was my best attempt at trying to walk you through what I'm about to attempt to do. All right. Because uh, I'm not type A. So here we go. Um, we're going to read a few verses. You can, if you take notes, uh, this is for you. If you don't, you can try and memorize these. 
uh, good luck. Uh, John 14, verse 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, this is Jesus speaking. Uh, he has in the scriptures claimed to be God thus far up to this point in John 14. And he's saying, you wanna love me, you wanna love God, this is what you do, you keep my commandments, okay? So there's the first one, keep my commandments. Then we're gonna go to John 14, verse 23. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him, okay? Number two, number three. 1 John verse 5, verse 3, or chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So we're still on track here. God's telling us to just listen to everything he says, keep his commandments. But here in John, he adds, but don't let them be burdensome. Don't let them be heavy on us. All right, 2 John verse, or chapter 1, verse 6. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments, this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. You guys seeing a little bit of a rhythm here? All right, we're gonna do one more. Uh, Psalm 40, verse eight. I delight to do your will. This is David speaking. Uh, it's really more of like his poetic heart showing us how he loves God. Uh, again, verse eight, chapter 40, Psalm. I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. All right, so that's like as much study as like from a pastoral side. You guys can all do this. You just type in scriptures that talk about how to love God. And the majority of them come out like this, especially in the Old Testament. I mean, like heavily, even though these are all mostly New Testament other than Psalm, we are continually told to keep God's commandments. Now, I have a little bit of difficulty with that. I don't know about you guys. Uh, like when someone tells me how to love them, uh, I'm married specifically. Uh, my wife, when she tells me how to love her, uh, keeping someone's commandments or asking them asking you what to do and you fulfilling that fully is hard because I'm selfish, right? And so sometimes doing what you're asking me to do, although I know that's a form of love, it seems to trump my form of love, right? Like, what about me? This isn't gonna benefit me. You may be loved from this, but what about me, right? And so God's asking us, hey, despite everything, I need you to put yourself aside and follow my commandments, even if they're detrimental to you. Right, like in the Old Testament, let's think about this. He's asking people to go and like sacrifice animals. Like imagine you have to go buy a bull, which hopefully back then that's a lot easier than today. But you have to go buy a bull with your money, depending on what sin you've done. I guess you could do a dove if you're not as sinful. But uh, you go get a bull and you have to now walk it through the town to the temple, talk to some, like a whole, this is a whole day process, by the way, right? Like this isn't just like a 20 minute trip in between your lunch break at work. This is legitimately a whole day's worth of work. Go find a bull, a unblemished bull, so it's gotta be a good looking bull, walk them down to the temple. They don't have cars or trucks or semis, so you're like with a leash pulling a bull, I guess. I don't know what that looked like, but then you're going in there and now you have to stay there the entire time while a priest is making a sacrifice for you. And you're only doing this, why? Because you've distanced yourself because of sin and you want to be back in good standing, right standing or righteousness with God. Now that's Old Testament, right? For us today, Thankfully, we don't have to kill bulls or walk them down the city hall or wherever the temple would be. But we do have some things that I think as Christians in the church, and if you grew up in church, uh, that we think we have to do in order to be loved by God, right? Like, so this is my, one of my first questions. These will pile up to help us at the end of the night. But so this is the response part. What do we think in the New Testament Jesus's commandments are? Like if I, if, if I was uh, someone who knew nothing about the scriptures and I, I said, oh, you're a Christian, so that means you know Jesus, what has Jesus asked or commanded for you to do? What are some of the first things that rattle off in our 
Christian minds? What are his commandments? Man, that guy knows his word. Yes, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart. What else? Okay, that's the second part of that one. So you guys are same wavelength. I like it. Okay, yeah, we still have to do that one, right? What's up? There is only one God. That's a huge one, right? Like, I think in James, he's, James calls us adulterous people. It's because we're going to other things to be gods, idols. So yes, you can only have one God. You can't worship. Jesus says you can't have two masters. You can only have one. What else? Ladies, I'm not sexist, but the guys are three to zero. Repent, that's a huge one, right? I'm, I, I will draw all this into my marriage because that's like the only like example of stories I can tell from, but like repentance is a huge thing. I don't know if you've had beef with someone and them trying like be your friend after not apologizing, but that's a difficult task. So definitely like when we offend God, it, it would be a good gesture to be like, hey, I'm sorry, right? Like, uh, which is the whole bull process, right? That's like what we used to have to do. But now we just get to say, hey, Jesus died. I know you love me. I'm sorry. It's a little more than that, right? But what else? Let's see if we can find one or two more. Don't worry. Wow. I like that answer. I did not even think of that one. So that is one. He says, do not be anxious about anything. What else? One more girl so we can tie it up, right? To be content. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Those are all good. So we see in the New Testament, there is quite a bit of things, right? As Christians, I think oftentimes we think, um, because we don't follow the law, like we're not dragging bulls down to city hall or wherever the temple would be. I, I think we believe that there's not much we can do to like reignite other than obviously looking at Jesus, which is like the gospel. It's what we believe as Christians. But like in that, there's not like a physical maybe practice anymore that can be participated with in order to show God our love for him. And really, there's a ton of them. And you're going to know these as I say some of these. I'm going to give some of the more like baseline ones. And all the ones we said were right. But like reading your scriptures, right? Like who can be saved if they do not have what? The word of God, right? You, even in the Old Testament, David said, I meditate on your word day and night. Your law, I know it. I know your words. I know what you say. I know what you sound like. So we know that's one. We know prayer is one, right? Like uh, I'm married, communication, if you're dating someone, if you're not, here's a pro tip, communication is huge, right? You need to be able to communicate. So how do we love God? We talk to God, right? You have to be able to talk to God or else it's a very cold relationship. What about praise and worship, right? Singing his name, singing how amazing he is. And praise isn't always just singing, right? Like when I praise my wife, she loves that. She loves when I tell her how much I love her. Even though she already knows I love her, I put a ring on it, right? Like we live in the same house, we pay bills together, we fight together and we stay in the same house. Like we obviously, I commit, I commit to loving her, but what? There's something different. There's a different level of intimacy when I'm praising her name, when I'm telling people how amazing she is and how good she is and how amazing I think she is. There's a form of love and we see God asks us for that as well. But so again, back to uh, maybe the first one that we said here, God says, Love me with all your heart, mind, and strength. And that's actually going to be in our passage tonight. So we're going to jump real quick to our main passage, Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read this for us. Sloan's actually teaching on this passage also next week. He's going to handle the second part of it. I'm going to read it just so uh, you guys can tell him that I read it for y'all. But we're going to focus on the first half mostly. But let's go. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. And this is how the story goes, for those of you who haven't heard it. 
And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, just pause real quick. That question is, yes, what do I do to like continue living after I die, which is a pretty normal question, I think, for all cultures, all people at all times throughout all of human history. But more importantly, in a religious setting, it means how do I spend eternity with my God? Right? Like, how do I continue my relationship with who I call to be holy, back to the only one God? How do I spend eternity with him if he is the source of love and goodness? So that's the way I want to phrase this question. It's not just eternal life, like how do I be a ghost and haunt my, you know, the future people. It's, it's legitimately relationship with God. And that's how God has always explained it in the Old and New Testament. It's dwelling in his kingdom where he is the kingdom. So let's keep going. How do I inherit eternal life? How do I continue relationship with God and live with him forever? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So there we just hit the other one. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. So brownie points from Jesus, do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn to take care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Okay, so uh, there's a lot to unpack. Like I said, Sloan's gonna unpack a lot of the second part of that. But here's what I wanna focus on tonight. How do we love God? How do we spend eternity with him? How do we have deep, intimate relationship with God that's so fulfilling that we even desire to spend eternity with him? Jesus says, we love the Lord, your God, with all your strength, your might, your heart, and your mind. And actually, he's getting this out of Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, for those of you who want to know where this like original top most important commandment, because Jesus said earlier in John, remember, he said, if you, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The most important commandment to keep is love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now in Deuteronomy, the word, uh, it, there's actually some different like translation. You have to remember the Bible is very confusing. Jesus actually spoke Aramaic, and then we have Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament's written in, and then we have Greek, which is what our New Testament's written in, and then we translated it to like King James, like Old English, and then today, current English. So instead of you having to sift all through that, uh, I spent my money to go to seminary and they just essentially gave me books that do it for me so that I didn't have to like memorize all of it and remember it forever. And here's what I did for you guys. Deuteronomy, that word strength or might, how to love God, actually translates 298 times in the Old Testament to mean the word very. It's an adverb. Like God says, love me, not with your might. Like that doesn't mean like read your Bible and like clinch and squeeze really hard. Like what it means is just love me very, 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 very much. That like literally, that sounds like something my wife said to me, right? Like just, I don't want you, I don't need you to do these things. I just need you to love me. 
which that still leaves my like very philosophical mind in a state of like problem. Cause I'm like, well, have you ever tried loving someone that you just like don't have love for that? Like, and I know that's offensive, right? Like, man, to admit, maybe there's a season where I don't have love or desire to love God. Like, but how do I overwill that? Like when, if we're in a season of the middle of COVID and life just feels empty, like everything's numb, like Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, when they're like plagued with not being able to feel anything, like, like what if that's my heart towards God? How do I love him very, 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 very much? However many times you want to use the word very, right? That's a tough task in my opinion. In Aramaic, the word translates to wealth. So like in that passage, Jesus is saying, love God with your heart, your mind, your strength, and your wealth which in the old days, since they bartered with everything, it's just your ability to come up with something that shows your value of your work. And then in the Greek, the word means power. Love God with not just your very might and your very heart, not just with your wealth, but in Greek, it means power with like the thing that gives you resource and energy and the thing that when you walk into a room, it's like what you bring with you. And I know that sounds kind of like, you know, mystical and kind of weird, but that's your power, right? Like, I don't want to say what's your superpower, but God's wired all of us uniquely and differently. And whatever you have as a gift and who you are, God's like, love me with that. So we're starting to unpack a little bit here, but uh, I want to tell you a story about my wife. So uh, I've been with my wife for about eight years. Uh, We've been married for four of those. And I know you guys hear wife stories all the time, but I promise you, me and my wife are a little different. Uh, Just we're both a little crazy. And so this is what happened in the start of our dating time. We started dating and I will never forget this. We one time talked on the phone for like four hours, just like everyone does when you first start dating, like way too late in the night where I looked at my phone. I was like, I should probably get off. And like another hour goes by and another hour goes by. And I was like, I'm going to hate work tomorrow. And then another hour goes by. And in that time, I have, I still have the note, uh, the notes on my iCloud. Uh, I took notes while she was talking because she was telling me all of like her love languages and all the things that she loves and wants to do. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to woo this woman. I'm going to take everything that she desires. I'm going to check every single one of those things. And I wrote them all down. And she was like, man, I love words of affirmation. I love gifts. Like you don't have to buy me expensive stuff, but I love like seeing that you love me with like flowers and oh man, I love date night, like quality time. It means so much to me. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And and then I I will never forget like two years into our relationship, we're actually engaged at this time. We're doing long distance. She comes into town and I was like, I was like, man, I really want to love, I want to show her I love her and I missed her. And I was like, I have notes. Like, not that I don't know her, but like, I have notes that tell me I for sure know that I love her because they're her words that I pretty much copy and pasted. And so I go and I was like, I'm going to do these things. And she happened to come back from, she was in Houston living down there. She was in nursing school at the time. And I was an intern at a church in Flower Mound. And she comes over to my parents' place uh, because that's where she was going to stay. And I'm staying at my place and we meet over there and I'm drained. Like, I don't know if I was sick. I don't know what was wrong with me. Maybe I was just emotional that day. I don't even remember. I just remember not being as excited, which... she knows this. This is not like new news to her. I just wasn't all that, like, I didn't have the energy to do all of the things I wanted to do anymore. Like we still went out. I took her on a date. I'm not a jerk. I wasn't like, screw you, girl. Like I I took her on a date, but I just wasn't there. Like the whole time, I think I was in my head. I don't know if I had a bad day. Like I said, I don't remember. I just remember not fully being present. I wasn't funny and full of life and passion. And like, it wasn't, I wasn't uninterested in her. It just wasn't like that night where we were up all night where I like couldn't hang up. And like everything she said, I was writing down. I was like interested. It was like the night where she was like, oh my gosh, I never guess what happened. And I was like, what? And I'm like watching the UFC on the TV screen, like inside of Chili's. And like, I was just disconnected. Right. And I knew I was disconnected and she definitely knew I was disconnected. But to me, I was like, girl, I took you out. We're here. Like this is, you said you love dates. We're here. 
And, and earlier that night when she got there, I actually bought her flowers, which like I didn't do a lot. I was broke as an intern at church. But I bought her flowers, this like $8 batch that I bought at Kroger. And like I put them together inside of, I think, a solo cup. I cut them really short so they look more impressive. And I was like, that's all I got, girl. Uh, but like there wasn't that much, like I didn't even bring it up again. I actually think I left it on the table and she walked in. I was like, you didn't even notice the flowers. And she was like, I thought they were your mom's. I was wondering why they were in a cup. But like everything I did that night was just off. Like it just was, the date was off. I wasn't like all that into her and I knew it. I just, there's nothing I could do about it. Like again, loving something that you know you need to love and you know you want to love, but just not having it in you is hard. It's really hard. And so uh, at the end of the night, uh, you know, it is what it is. I go home, I kiss her goodnight and she's back to Houston. She just drove like way out of the way to see me. And I was pretty much like a, a jerk, like just an unappreciative jerk. I tried to be appreciative. I just, not to the standard and level that she feels loved. And here's my, here's my point in that. Once we got married, that similar thing happened a few more times. And I'll never forget, we got in this huge fight. Again, I'm a jerk, I'm selfish, I'm a sinner, I'm willing to admit it. But one night we get in this huge fight because I was so upset because I'm like, this has happened before. I do the things, I literally have notes that you gave me that told me how to love you. And I do these things and you're unappreciative of them. She was like, how dare you say that? And I'm like, well, you are. Like, like what, I, I have to buy you flowers and what? I have to like sing and dance and clap. Like, what do you want? Like, I, I thought I was loving you and it seems like you're unappreciative. And I'll never forget, she looked at me and she was like, I don't care. The flowers aren't, they're flowers. They're like, they die. I don't, it, it's, it's not even the gesture. It's not even you going out of your way or spending money. She's like, it's an expression that you love me. And then it's like the, the, for date, like going on a date night, it's your presence there. It's like when you're there, I'm there and you're aware of me. And she's like a date at a dinner at a place. Like we go to Chili's, we don't do fancy stuff. And she's like, the reason I like going to Chili's because it's cheap, but we still get to like, it's us in a booth with like very, very skeptical lighting and like a okay waiter, which they've just turned into a machine now that you swipe an order from. But anyways, it's like, she doesn't care about the ambiance and all that stuff. She's like, I just want you. She's like, sometimes selfishly from the world's perspective, I do want the grandeur and I want big flowers. But she's like, those things have never satisfied me. She's like, we've gone on fancy dates and the next day I feel like we still haven't gone on a date. And she's like, that's how I know a date is bad. And I was like, wait, you have bad dates with me? I was like, what is going on? But I, I realized in that moment, my wife, despite this list of things I had to love her, she desires my awareness of her while I'm doing the things that she that are avenues to love her. Does that make sense? Like on date night, it doesn't matter where we are. She wants me to be fully engaged and focused on her, not like overly praising her, not being fake. If I don't feel like it, she still wants my attention though, because she loves me. And she wants to know that I love her and that I can put myself aside and create space where her and I have a unique thing that isn't blemished by the world. And, and that night changed a lot in our marriage because it showed me it's not these actions. Love is not just this thing that is like this to-do list. It's the heart behind and the intention behind the time we're spending together. And again, I know all of us in this room know that. And I know that's how we know we should pursue the Lord. But that's the challenge I want to put before us. In 1 Corinthians verse 13, which we're going to jump to real quick, this passage, although it is preached at like every wedding ever of all time, um, you can throw 1 Corinthians up there, Chris. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is like this famous passage for weddings, but it's not about weddings at all. It's about our love for God, um, which I guess marriage is a sign of Jesus in the church. But nonetheless, this is the way tonight I want us to think about loving God, not in how to love God, but in how to not love God. All right, let's read this, and then we're gonna do a group question. 
Verse one, chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. My wife has called me that before. Um, All right, verse two. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So the beginning of this list is a list of, yeah, at the end there's love, but in the beginning there's do nots, or what love is not. Love is not your ability to be overly spiritual when you're meeting with God. Like in your prayer life, unless you can speak in tongues, you don't need to sound like an angel where like there's a harmony of things playing behind you and grandeur and trumpet. Like you don't need to put on your favorite song when reading your Bible and have candles lit. Like it doesn't have to be this romantic atmosphere with God. What he desires is your heart to be there and to be aware of him. So that means when we're spending time with God, when we're creating space in our day to be intimate with God, that's what he wants. Like he doesn't want you to go make a, create a special table for quiet time every day. He desires time with you, but it's not the way I think as Christians we fleshed it out to be. He doesn't care about date night. He cares about the intimacy of date night. He doesn't care about flowers. He desires the praise and affection to be shown to him. What we see is he doesn't want us to necessarily have these prophetic powers just in it of themselves. He doesn't want you to go out and evangelize and tell everyone things if it's not really this act of love for him. There's like a very real connection that God says, that is how you love me. And here's the most amazing part about the gospel. Jesus doesn't ask you to do this without knowing that he's already done this for you. So it's like the promise of my wife going, I need you to just Take me on a date, but when you do, I need you to just be present because I will every time be present to you the way you're asking me or the way I'm asking you to be present with me. Whether you feel it or not, you know that I care deeply. I wanna hear about every part of your day. I wanna be a part of everything in your life. I wanna spend every moment with you and I want that to be the representation of the time we spend together at dinner. Like she wants to look me in the eyes and she wants me to look her in the eyes and she wants to have this deep conversation, not whether I have the energy to or the desire to, but she wants that. God desires that from us. Our quiet time isn't to just learn more. It's not knowledge. It's not mystery. It's not like trying to have this revelation every time that you're reading your scriptures. Sometimes you're going to read, like you're going to be in Leviticus if you're doing a Bible plan, and you're going to be like, what does someone dragging a bull to a temple have to do with our, my love for Jesus? I'll just skip this. And it's like, no, no, it's you know that God's present in that moment, whether you feel it or not, whether you see it or not, and he's tuned in fully to who you are because he created you and he loves you. And now he's asking you to love him by stepping into that space and doing the same. That's what he's asking. That's love. That's how we love God. If, you're, if you feel distant from God, if you know people who are distant from God, God's not asking for grandeur. He's not asking for over, like, over the topness and fakeness. He's not because you're gonna get there and you're gonna space out like I did, or something's gonna happen because you're human and we live in a broken world and you're just not gonna have the ability to do this every day where it's this like 
summer camp, like if you guys were in youth ministry, you remember these like summer camp experiences? It's not always gonna be that. Sometimes it's gonna be opening our word or singing a worship song and it being kind of, not empty, but you're just not gonna feel it there. But he wants you to hone in in those moments. He wants you to look him in the eyes. He wants you to spend intimate time with your heart, open your heart in that moment and go, God, I know you're looking at me. I know you love me even though I don't feel it. And I'm gonna reciprocate that right now. An act of love. And so here's what I want to do before JD's about to come up here and sing, and then I'm going to give us our like table talk. But we're about to, as a group, again, I want to hear back from you guys. I want to hear how do we, what are things that we can do that are like these date nights? Like my list that I made for my wife on things that she desires and feels loved by. What are everyday practices that we can do where we can intentionally spend time with God? Like what does that look like in the Christian life? We've already said, yes, follow his commandments, but now I'm just talking about everyday life. Like, how do you go about your day and create space to love God? If it's about intimacy, if it's about awareness, if it's about participation, if you will, how do we do this? I know I kind of trashed on quiet times, but ignore what I said there because we'll bring that back in. Yeah, 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 please. Yeah, the deeper and the more specific, the better because we're going to, the table talk questions are really going to hone that in. Okay, I love that one. So again, again, this is practical because it's not just like, you're not just going, oh, I'll exchange this for something holy. Like it's legitimate. Like I could be enjoying music, but rather, my wife does that with me in the car too. It's a really good, sometimes she's like, I don't want to listen to music. I just want to talk. I'm like, oh. Right, but I do it. And then I'm like, okay, let's engage. Let's do this. So that's a great one. Communication with God instead of listening to the radio every once in a while. What else? Okay, so quiet times, which I always felt that was a weird lingo. Not that I'm trashing on it. You're right. But like, it makes me sound like I'm in trouble, right? It's like, go do your quiet time. (laughs) I've always been like, okay, does it have to be quiet? Uh, But yeah, spending time with God, right? And it doesn't have to be in the mornings, but some people, you seem like the kind of guy who wakes up and spends time with the Lord. That's awesome. Spending intimate time, so just a space where you're aware. I think quiet time gives the connotation of reading, maybe. So maybe a space where you're reading. What else? What are your checklist of things to do to love God that normally would look like legalism, but... But if we're aware of God, they're not. Okay. I like that. Intentional prayer. Awesome. I love that. We're all guilty of that. How many, who in here has prayed for dinner and just not meant it and been like, I just want this food. God, we love you. Thank you for this food. Amen. And then like you're diving in. Yeah. If that was my, if God was my, if my wife was God, she'd be like, nah, that was not intimate enough. She's like, you're fake. And then I'd have to like redo the whole thing. What else? That's a good one. Yeah, it could be Christian habits that maybe, maybe you've been able to slip out of your heart being your power, your wealth, the, the essence of who you are being put into it to actually love God. Like it's easy to disconnect. We've said reading, we've said prayer. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
wine. Yeah. 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 A very subpar snack at church. That's a huge one. It's actually condemned to do that, which oftentimes we we do, right? Like we, so the sacraments are huge. I believe in that. Like next time you see a baptism, that's a huge one. If God says the angels rejoice at baptism, how much more should we, right? Like, but that takes practice. Again, that takes you showing up to dinner with the girl and being like, I'm exhausted. I don't feel connected to this, but this is an act of loving God, which is what he desires. I want to celebrate this baptism. Even I don't know that person because it reminds me that Jesus died for me and that he's alive and that we're celebrating something, right? Sometimes making much of the things that seem like they die out is the key to success in long-term relationship, specifically with God. But that's also like a, a helpful reminder for relationship. Like, like if I'm, I, cat's out of the bag. When you get married, eventually that love like starts to kind of trickle off. And like my wife and I have had several seasons where we're just like, man, we feel distant from each other. Like, I almost feel like I'm not even dating you. Like you're, I've called my wife a roommate, which is don't ever do that. But like, I've been like, it's more like a roommate situation at this point. Right? Why? Because it's disconnected. Like at work all day, we get home, you're tired. I'll go work out. She go work out, play with the dog. And then it's like, I got to shower and go to bed. And it's like creating space. And we'll talk about in a minute. You guys can come up. But um, as you're worshiping, worship is one, another one. Like there's a ton of them and we're, we're going to write them down. But intimate, genuine thought of like, this is loving God. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't have to feel like it, but this is loving God. It's awareness of his presence. It's awareness of what he's done while we participate in the action. So let's practice one together before we do our table conversation. Thanks for listening to The Gathering Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you want to get connected with us, text GATHERING to 77978 or follow us on Instagram at cottonwood underscore YA. That's cottonwood underscore YA. We'll see you next time.